We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming in the first podcast, the post-2007 NFL Draft Podcast. How do you feel? Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, a lot to digest, and I think I'm still digesting it. Um, uh, no, no real undrafted free signings have come across yet, so it's just kind of waiting on those last few, but it. That weekend felt like it took a few weeks, so <laughs> it's good to be back on. That's for sure. Yeah, and from the you know the reaction that I've gotten from Bears fans, that is a very typical sentiment. Um, there was a lot of expectations in this draft, and I, uh, the feeling that I've gotten is that most people don't believe that those expectations were met. Do you? Do you agree? I would say so. I, I think the the off season as a whole has been. I'd say somewhat disappointing outside of the fact that they did get their quarterback situation figured out. But uh, I think people were expecting more out of the draft. Now, not to say that it's a bad draft, and obviously we'll get into that a little bit later, but I I think the expectations were higher. The fact that they went into the draft with seven picks, uh, they had, what, five within the first four rounds, and they came out with five picks total, I think is uh, a little bit shocking and I'd say a little bit disappointing, but um, it, it's I think with the small school guys, I think there's there's definitely a little bit more of a mystery. And I, I think just with the way the offseason went with free agency and just how much the, the, the media has been piling on, the national media has been piling on at the Bears, I think there's a really big negative light going around right now. And I think it's kind of, uh, you know, it's definitely weighing on the fans as well with uh, such an uncertain draft. Yeah, and, and in many ways, I understand that. And I, when you look at the Bears, they, were, they still have holes uh, throughout the defense, and they only addressed one position. 
And I think that, to me, is the most surprising aspect of this entire draft, even more so than the, than the small school guys uh, and, and all the uh, the trades that were made. Just the fact that uh, the defense was basically ignored. I mean, you got one safety, and then that's it. I mean, no pass rushers, no cornerbacks. Those were the two biggest areas that I felt were the biggest needs. I think you agree. We talked about it a lot. Most people agreed. And their best player available strategy ended up with four out of their five picks being offensive players. And now... You know, now they're left with one safety and a free agent class that you and I both agree wasn't very exciting. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the defense will be slightly improved, maybe, if everybody stays healthy. But, you know, no depth was added. And this is a team that really lacked depth, especially in the secondary. So that, that, that to me, was the most disappointing aspect of it. But, uh, you know, really, when it comes down to it, you know, you mentioned it. And we'll just start getting into these picks. And, and the top one really is the most important one. And I think, you know, really when it comes down to it, if Mitch Trubisky uh, turns into a, a, a top-flight quarterback in the NFL, the rest of this podcast isn't going to mean anything. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, it really comes – Mitch Trubisky is is this class. I know a lot of people don't like saying that. I know a uh, few people think that's, uh, I guess you could say, dangerous to say. But really, if Mitch Trubisky pans out, then any of the other picks panning out would be would be a plus. Uh, but if, if he fails and these other guys succeed, it ain't going to matter. Uh, and I think really what Ryan Pace did here, and I, I applaud it. I mean, I absolutely applaud what he did. I was shocked. I still somewhat am just at, just at the way it all happened. But you know what? He went out. And he did something that, that really, I mean, outside of Jerry Angelo with what Cutler did, I mean, no Bears GM has gone out of their way to make that big of a pick. This is the first time that they've selected in the top two in the modern-day draft era. I mean, and he went in, he traded up. I know a lot of people weren't a big fan of it, and it's kind of hard to swallow some of the picks. We can talk about that. But, man, uh, he he had identified the biggest hole that they had on the roster, and he went out and he tried his best to fill it. And... It's going to be great if it works out, and it's going to be uh, a big letdown if it doesn't. But, man, I got a, a hats off to Ryan Pace for actually going out and doing something because it seems like a lot of the a lot of the talk lately with the Bears, especially with their past GMs, it's just been all talk, and there hasn't been much action. So the fact that Ryan Pace is basically willing to say, I'm putting my whole entire career on the line for this one pick and this one guy – uh, hats off, man. I, that, I mean, that's a to me, that's a ballsy move, and it's exactly what I was hoping the Bears would do, and they did it. Well, you and I have talked about it a lot. I mean, the quarterback is by far the most important position on the team. You, neither one of us were sold on Mike Glennon, and how really could you be sold on Mike Glennon? He hasn't started a game in more than two years. Uh, he's getting paid a lot of money, but that doesn't mean anything because there's only four and a half, around four and a half million left over uh, in guaranteed money beyond this season. It's basically a one-year deal. And if he wasn't going to pay, if, if he didn't pan out, and we discussed this, if he didn't pan out and there was no plan B in place, boy, that's probably the end of the, uh, of the line for, for Ryan Pace. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned before there were two paths that the Bears needed to go, one for John Fox and one for Ryan Pace. Now they have both. Uh, you have your short-term guy and your long-term guy. And you mentioned what they had to give up for it. And I think there was some sticker shock there that a lot of people still haven't gotten over now. Uh, as we're near a, a, a week after the end of that uh, the first round. And I think that's where you're getting a lot of the negativity from because a lot of people wonder if the Bears even had to move up to number two because it appeared that the 49ers were going to take Solomon Thomas no matter what. And we'll never know. I mean, I've heard different things. I, I don't think that the... Uh, you know, the uh, desire from other teams was as serious as the Bears maybe thought it was. But I do know that there were other teams move uh, looking to move up. And Pace even said, you know, the teams that were calling him 
gave him an idea, well, if they're trolling us, then they're probably going to be trolling the 49ers as well. So, I, again, we'll never know if, if those teams were, how much, you know, interest there were from other teams and how much they were willing to give up. He may, you know, he may have been able to get him at three, who knows. But, you know, we'll talk about later what he was able to recoup in, in, in further trades. But, I, I, again, I, I agree with you. I don't... Uh, it's, it was a third. All right, here, here's what he gave up. It was this, the 67th overall pick, a third round pick this year, 111th pick overall, fourth round, and then a third rounder in uh, 2018. And when you again, when we look at it, if if Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback, we're gonna laugh in the fact that that's all that they had to give up was a, was three mid round picks. I mean, you look at the Texans, what they had to give up, what the what the Chiefs had to give up. I mean, first round picks there. The Bears didn't mortgage their future to get uh, a, a potential franchise quarterback. And I think you and I agree that he was the best quarterback on the board. And, you know, for, for me, the sticker shot, shot kind of wore off. I mean, when, when I first saw it and they made the trade and no one saw it coming, I mean, everyone, had, you know, it was a shock to everyone. I went on the radio right after the pick was made and they said, is this the most shocking move that's been made in, uh, you know, the past, you know, 20 years in the draft? And I couldn't think of anything uh, that, that came close. So, but once that shot kind of wore off, I, I, you know, and I started thinking about it pragmatically, I mean, the way that he was able to recoup some of those picks and, you know, if Trubisky is that guy, man, that's it's not going to mean anything. Well, let me ask you this, and this is something that I, I think people are getting a little too wrapped around the axle about the picks. And this would be my example. And obviously, we're never going to know who Ryan Pace would have taken with those picks because it happened the way it happened. But a few years ago, the same year that Kyle Fuller came out, and we just saw that they declined the fifth-year option on him. So this would be my question. If you if you told me that, or more the point, if I told you that the Bears could have traded up one spot to get, or two spots in front of St. Louis to get Aaron Donald, and all they had to do was give up a second and third-round pick, that second and the third-round pick was Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton. Ego Ferguson's already off the roster, and Will Sutton is a pretty good chance he's going to be. So... My question to you is, if I said that and put it in those layman terms, like I said, we're not going to be able to know what they would have got. But if if I tell you that, I would assume your answer is going to be, yeah, you're going to trade up for Aaron Donald all day. Am I right? Well, I would have said that at the time, even not knowing who the Bears were going to get in two or four. I thought that would have been a smart move knowing that he was available. And and that's kind of my point here is I, I, I think people – here's the thing. The Bears can do whatever they want and, okay, you know – People plotted 49. That's cool. Okay, they got Solomon Thomas, who I absolutely loved. Uh, Reuben Foster, another good pick. But I'll tell you right now that those two guys right there are not going to have nearly the impact that a guy like Mitch Trubisky is going to have if he's any good. I mean, it, even if we're talking a top 10 guy, they are not going to have the same impact. This could be a huge franchise-changing moment for the Bears, and I get it. Obviously, everybody had different evaluations on the quarterbacks. Uh, you know how I feel. I know how you feel. Uh, he was my number one quarterback. He was yours. Uh, I had him as my number three uh, overall on my big board in general. So I look at this move, and I believe in him. And you see what the coaches, what, what his, his quarterback coaches said about him. You see what Lewis Riddick has said about him. You see what uh, Bill Polian said. And it's like the guys that you should be listening to, not the Jason Lock and Fours of the world, but the guys who have actually <laughs> gone in and done this and have actually lived this reality are saying, you know what, if this is your guy, I like Mitch Trubisky. Maybe I didn't have him as high on my board, but if you feel that this is your guy, then you take him. That's exactly what the Bears did. And like I said, I, I applaud Ryan Pace. If he goes down for this, I am not going to be upset about that at all. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But 
being a fan of this team for as long as I have been and watching some of the awful quarterback play, the one thing that I wanted and in watching this year and suffering through this year was, man, it's like I hope they can get a high enough pick to take a quarterback in the first round because I want to know what it feels like and I want to see how this is going to develop and now I have it. As a, as a fan, I am more than more than happy. And I think a lot of people should be and I think they will be as soon as this whole this 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 national media thing. I, I don't know if they're upset because Ryan Pace basically. Uh, just really misled everybody of what the deal is. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, once this wears off, and especially you're going to be at Rookie Minicamp next weekend, man. I mean, the, the, the hype is going to start, and people are going to feel it. And I can tell you right now, people are going to be calling for Mitch Trubisky to be the, the, the week one starter. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think the excitement's going to build really quick when these guys actually get on the field. That's a really good point. I mean, if Mitch Trubisky comes out and just looks outstanding, which he should, all top draft picks should look outstanding in Rookie Minicamp. And most have uh, during my seven years covering the team. So I expect him to just come out and light it up against a, a lower level of competition in rookie minicamp. And you're right, everyone is going to quickly get on uh, the Trubisky train. But you made a few good points there I want to address. Uh, 49ers absolutely made a great trade. They got the guy that they wanted and really didn't have to do anything for it. I mean, they just got picks dumped in their lap to move back one spot and get the guy they were going to take anyway. Great job on their part. But if there were teams looking to move up ahead of the Bears, then then Pace made the right move. Um, and, you know, if if he does go down, he went down swinging. You know, you have to give that to him. I mean, the Bears have been, uh, you know, half-assing the quarterback position for decades, you know, except for the, the, the move for Angelo, you know, but particularly in the draft. I mean, other than Rex Grossman, it's just been all – you know, six round, mid and later round picks for, you know, the, the last 20 years. And, you know, finally, like you said, finally, we know what it's like to have the best quarterback to, to, to have drafted the best quarterback in the draft. And that's exactly what happened. And I think when you, when you look at it big picture, that's what the Bears did. That's what they pulled off. And I really, you know, we talked about every, every podcast, every analyst, every writer. I mean, that's, I think most agreed that if you can get the best quarterback in the draft, you do it, especially if you don't have a, a great option behind it. And the Bears didn't. You know, Mike Lennon isn't a great option. And if Mike Lennon turns out to be great, that's out, that's a great problem to have. And then you can try and trade Glennon and see what you can get for him. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not worried about Mike Lennon being on the roster. You know, I, and I and I wasn't I wasn't convinced that he was a guy. So. I'm convinced. I mean, I we talked about it a lot, and we're not you know we're not going to go into you know every single bit about Trubisky, but. You know, on film, I went and did some more film work this week just to you know refresh my memory, and I, you can you can find it at BearReport.com. But uh, thirty touchdown passes last year to only six interceptions, and to me, that was you know that's the most impressive part about him. Not only does he have you know an NFL level arm, I mean, and what I saw repeatedly was him throwing from the far hash to the far sideline, NFL level throws, throws on the run. Uh, and you know, very mobile, elusive. Uh, you watch that Stanford game. He was, he, he, you know, Solomon Thomas was in his face throughout that Stanford contest, and he was able to elude him for the most part uh, during that game. You know, that that, that tells me that he's going to be able to, you know, move around that pocket and get away from some of the elite pass rushers that he's going to face in the NFL. If he's able to do it with Thomas, he's going to be able to do it to some of the best guys. So. I think he's going to be able to, uh, you know, make extend plays with his feet. He's shown that he can throw on the run. He has the arm strength and he has the mobility. I, I don't know what's not to like other than the fact that he's inexperienced and he's never played under center. And I'm not going to discount those two things because playing under and not having played under center, that's big. 
I mean, you, you, you look at uh, some of the guys in the past who who have never done that, and you've seen guys struggle. You know, getting out of the getting out of the uh, the, the snap, working those five steps, and then you know planting and then moving around and finding that. That's all stuff that's going to be new to Trubisky, so it's going to be a learning curve for him. I don't think he's going to play right away, but that's why you have Mike Lennon. Yeah, absolutely. I. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Mike Glennon being upset. I don't doubt it, and I don't blame him. I mean, this is somebody who really got the, the, the crap into the stick twice in Tampa Bay, but he's got to be realistic here. I mean, you, you haven't played in two and a half years, and ultimately you weren't very good when you did play. And so you're making take, $14.5 million. I mean, what are you complaining about? Well, exactly, and that's kind of the thing. Take the $18.5 million guaranteed. The right. thing is, is there's $2.5 million in that that is offset. So if, let's say, the Bears cut him and he signs with somebody else, he's still going to get that $2.5 million either way. So I just, you know what, man? I, it's at the point where I, I get it, but Mike Lennon completely controls his future at this point in time. It may not be with the Bears, but if he comes out and he plays well, then there's going to be a multitude of teams after him, and the Bears, are gonna, the Bears will reap the rewards, and so will he. Uh, but... I just I like I said all along I'm not a big Mike Lennon guy so when I looked at this move from the very beginning I'm I'm sitting there and a lot of the common sense aspect of me was saying yeah they're going to draft a quarterback but then the 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 fan in me saying they absolutely better draft a quarterback or I'm going to lose my mind uh now that they have drafted a quarterback it's like okay cool now I'm feeling comfortable with the situation but I, I, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be interesting to gauge uh, for both me and you. You know, talking to different fans and seeing. I, I think when people start seeing him, especially in camp. I mean, even these rookie, the the rookie mini captains coming up. I think it's going to go from zero to one hundred really quick, and and just the excitement uh, around him and what he's going to be able to do. I mean, we're going to be able to see him in, in preseason. I think. Uh, I, I I think Mike Lennon will start the year. Uh, I, I, if you look back at least over the last, I think it was like 30 years, and I could be getting the stat completely wrong, so bear with me. Over the last 30 years, there's been 43 quarterbacks taken within the top five picks, and all but one of them has started at least one game in the rookie year. The only one that didn't was Carson Palmer uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, so you look at those odds, and you you know in theory, cool, Mike Lennon's the bridge guy, and, and Mitch Trubisky's going to sit out and and develop a whole entire year, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think a lot of the development is going to come from the off-season programs that they have, from the, the the training camp that they have in the preseason. I mean, ultimately, I don't know how much development from a physical standpoint, um, you know, maybe from a mental standpoint, there could be some development there, but uh, I, I don't know whether sitting if he's ready to go week one and he looks better than Mike Glennon. I don't think you're really taking a big risk by having him start uh, versus letting him quote-unquote develop over a, a 17-week season. Well, I, I think there are uh, there's one more issue beyond the fact that he didn't uh, line up under center um, and he doesn't have that experience, which makes me think that that might not happen at least right away. Uh, but he also, one of, the, one of the areas that I saw on film, one of the few negatives that he has uh, when you watch on film is he doesn't uh, deal with the blitz very well. Uh, you get a lot of guys in his face. Uh, he doesn't necessarily make the right decisions. He'll put some balls into harm's way. And he had a few, just in the few games that I watched yesterday or a couple days ago, a few few passes that were really, uh, you know, not not good looking passes. That really should have been intercepted that weren't, and would have, you know, not made those stats look as good. But uh, you know, I agree. It's really about what he does over the next three four months. If he can show that he can read those blitzes uh, in the preseason, if he can show that he's learned how to drop back 
five seven uh, five step drops, seven step drops. Worked through his progressions. Didn't have to do a whole lot of that at UNC. You know, go to the second, third read, fourth read, and still put the ball on target. I think the Bears want him to play, and like you like you mentioned, most top flight quarterbacks, the number one quarterback in the draft, they end up playing at some point, whether it's for injury or just uh, poor play from the starter, or the fact that the team just wants to get them out there. And I think we're going to see that, especially if he, like we, we mentioned, especially if he looks good uh, during training camp, if he looks good during the preseason, if Glennie comes out and lays an egg in the first couple of weeks and the Bears end up you know, going one and three, like their schedule is probably going to end up happening you know, with that rough first month of the season, man, that's going to be a lot of pressure to get that rookie out there. And I think that pressure is going to uh, probably end up coming from Pace to Fox, saying, hey, you know, get the kid out there, uh, you know, let's get, let's see what he's got, and I I, I don't I, I would have no problem with that. If he comes out and was week one as a starter, I would have no problem with that. But that, a lot of that is de- uh, going to uh, be dependent on how fast he is able to develop here over the next few months, and you know that really uh, that fa- a lot falls on Dow Loggins and David Brown, and we're, we're really going to get a good idea of how how good they are. I mean, we we've t- we've discussed them and how. Uh, they really, you know, the, the Bears quarterbacks played better than we thought last season, uh, despite the, the fact that they only won three games. So there's a chance that they might be able to get him ready to go. And if he is, I think they're going to put him out here and we're going to see a lot of Mitch Trubisky. But I'm going to say it right now. I think he's a franchise quarterback of the future. And I think that the Bears finally have that. They haven't had it ever, like ever since Sid Luckman, really. I mean, is, has there been one? Uh, I wouldn't really say so. I mean, Jim McMahon for a few years, but that didn't really last. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, Bears fans need to be excited about this, man. Right. I mean, if he busts, then he busts. But for the meantime, enjoy it. Don't let the don't let this national narrative of how upset everybody is with the Bears ruin the fact that the Bears has drafted a quarterback, the the number one overall quarterback in the draft with the second overall pick. That's awesome. I mean, that is a Bears fan. Coming out of a terrible season, that is an awesome thing to even think about. Just let it sink in, and like I said, I, I think things are going to be going pretty good. But I, I think one of the biggest things, at least for me, that that's going to be uh, that really needs to be addressed to put him in a better situation would be getting him more weapons. Uh, with that being said, what are your thoughts on Adam Shaheen, the second round pick? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, uh, before we move on to the rest of the draft, I want to address one thing about Mitch Trubisky, and that was. Uh, the the day after he was drafted on Friday, we got an opportunity to meet him uh, up at Hallis Hall. And he said while we were talking to him, he said he wanted to go to the Bulls game that night. Ended up going to the Bulls game, and they announced him at the on the uh, the the, uh, the big board and, and showed his uh, showed his face and his video. And there was a bunch of people booing him. And uh, you saw this, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Embarrassing, yeah. embarrassing. If you're one of the fans, don't do that. No, I mean you, the kid has never played. A snap, and I, I think that's that's the biggest issue. And I was talking to some, a few of the guys in the in the media room about this during the draft, and I, it's it's fun to overreact, and I get it. And to overreact, you will get the clicks uh, that a lot of, of journalists are looking for. But at, at the same time, realistically, pragmatically, we have no idea. And I, I've been doing this too long, and I've I've been right enough and wrong enough to know that. It's really just a crapshoot, and I, I can't. How am I going to hate a guy before I've ever seen him play a snap in the NFL? And I, I don't, I, I don't understand the overreactions. I mean, I do understand him, but I, I, I will never buy into that. And I, I want to see what he's got. And like you said, if he comes out and looks good in training camp and 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 uh, you know the offseason programs, man, every all's going to be forgiven. So look forward to it. I, I, I think you're right. Enjoy it, and uh, 
Make it, you know, give him a reason. Let him give you a reason to hate him. All right. Speaking of hating, let's let's move on to the rest of this draft. Uh, well, I, yeah, Adam Shaheen. I, I was able to watch some film on him. I was, there's only two games available that I could find: Northwood and I forget who the other team was uh, that I got. Him. But, but the one game that I did see him play, he scored four touchdowns. Um, so it gives me a little slanted view of him as a as a pass catcher. But uh, I do think. I mean, we're talking about a six six, two hundred and eighty pound tight end, and. I, I think the film is very hard to gauge because it looks like he's playing against high school kids, honestly, because he's so big. He's, he's the biggest guy on the field. And, yeah, he looks like Baby Gronk out there, which is his nickname, nickname Baby Gronk. It looks like it when you're playing against guys that are that small, but is he going to look like that when when the players are, are just as big as him? I don't know. It's it's I can't gauge his toughness. Um but I can tell you that the kid has a, a sticky set of hands, uh, runs good routes, has good feel and awareness. I think that was what was most impressive to me, uh, especially against zone coverage. Very good feel and awareness. Uh, option routes always find always goes in the right direction, and you know has the body type where he can absorb contact and still uh, make the catch because he has those sticky hands. Uh, there, there was one pass, and I believe it was the. Uh, um, the Northwood game where he, it was a 60 yard, really good play by that quarterback, whoever it was, uh, avoided the rush and just launched a, launched a bomb to Shaheen. And the defender was just mugging him at the goal line. And he just kind of fought it off at the last second, threw the defender down and went up and got the ball, snatched it out of the air, like a 60 yard pass. And kind of looked like Alshon on the play, you know, the way that he goes up and gets those deep balls. I was really, really impressed with him. As a pass catcher, but again, I, I, it's tough, difficult for me to say how that's going to translate. As a blocker, I'm not seeing it as much. He does have good strength. Had 24 bench press reps at the combine, so there is some potential there for him to get better. Has a few, some good film as a blocker, but some very concerning film as well. So they're going to have to do a lot of work there. But I, I don't think they drafted him to be a blocker, and he has the size to improve, so he could get better. But I, I think he's the type of. I mean, he had 16 touchdowns last season. He led all the nation's tight ends. Every tight end in the nation with 16 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns the previous season. So 26 touchdowns, if that, if you can get half that, you know, we're talking about a really good tight end. So it's difficult for me to gauge, but the film looks good. Yeah, I agree, and I, I'm right there with you. I, I think my biggest issue with Shaheen when I first watch him is it's it's so, it's almost comical. Like, watching his film is, it, it's, it, it, it is comical. Like, you, you're watching him. To me, he looks like he's playing. It looks like me going out there when I'm coaching, like, my sister's basketball team. Like, I'm out there with just a bunch of midgets. And just, you know, like, if I want to dominate in the paint, I'm going to dominate in the paint. So that's my issue here is that I can't really gauge, you know, this is Division Two, And then on top of it, you're sitting there and it's like, oh, my God, the broadcast quality is so awful. Like, everything about this is just terrible outside of Shaheen. So what I have gauged, and I've tried to keep an open mind, uh, is that yeah? Like you said, he's a, he's a, he's a big dude. Uh, he moves pretty well for his size, being somebody who is at least almost as tall as him, not nearly as big. Uh, I can I can attest to the fact that it's it's it gets tough, man. You get these long limbs and you get the long body, and it, it gets hard to move. So it's it's impressive that he's able to do what he does. Uh, I think his biggest value, especially probably for the first year or two, is going to be especially in the red zone. Uh, I mean, he's a massive mismatch. I mean, the dude's almost 6'7", uh, and he's got really long arms. The one funny thing that I found, I found a video on YouTube, and I don't even know how I found it, but uh, there's a there's a video of him going to dunk the ball. He played at basketball. I think it was at Ashland, actually, and he, he went to go dunk the ball, and he dunked it. 
but he smacked his forehead about halfway up the backboard. And that, to me, shows me that the dude's got some good athleticism because I don't think I could hit my face on the backboard if I tried. Uh, so that was definitely <laughs> And you're taller impressive. than him. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, the dude's obviously got good athleticism. Granted, I'm basing that off of mine, who I have absolutely none. Uh, but it, it's just it, it's tough because you look at this guy's film. Like you said, there's only so much you can actually watch. I actually resorted to watching highlight videos after those two games just because you're trying to see as much as you can with him. And, and I think – as a blocker, at least to me, uh, as a run blocker, uh, I think you got something to work with, maybe. Uh, as a pass blocker, don't even bother. That's just my personal opinion. My, my issue with him is he's such a big dude. and But it almost looked like he – it's almost like watching like a peewee player try to go out and block somebody. Like they're just kind of running around looking for somebody to put hands on. Like I don't really see much physicality. I see somewhat of an effort, but then I, I see when he goes to engage in a block, it doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing. So – but like you said, he's he's probably not being brought in to block. I would hope not uh, with the second-round pick. I mean, if, if he can block a little bit, cool. But it, he's going to be a mismatch. It's just going to be a matter of I'm, I'm not 100% sold on his route tree. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be something when you're playing against people that are 5'6 and 5'7 in the, in the secondary. At least that's what it looked like to me. I mean, it's going to be a lot easier to just basically pick a point, run to it, and say, throw me the ball and I'm going to catch it because you're playing with a bunch of toddlers. Now, in the NFL, it's going to be a much different ball game. Uh, but they see something. Daniel Jeremiah seen something. Uh, I, I, you know, The guys from CBS, I think it was uh, uh, Dane Brugler, seen something. So uh, there's obviously something there. I think my, my biggest issue with him is just getting past the quality of play. Uh, but I do think at least in year one, he should have a good value in the red zone. Well, I, I actually am sold on his route tree, and six six two, almost two hundred and eighty pounds is still big. You know, no matter what, you know, no matter how big the competition is, I mean, he's still going to be a big target out there. I think he he can run. He runs the good inter, uh, short and intermediate stuff, but he also gives you a lot of options on the down uh, downfield ball, and uh, has a, uh, some good speed. I mean, he only he only timed to four four point seven nine, but his game speed you, you can see it out there. Uh, you give him a little space in the open field, he'll make you pay for it. So ho- hopefully, like you said, he's not he's not coming in a block. Hopefully, they can get him to uh, you know a serviceable state as a blocker. But really, his his value comes as a pass catcher, and I agree with you, particularly early on. It's going to be as a t- uh, in the red zone. But I like having uh, the fact that you have your your rookie quarterback. He's now got his outlet option that he can grow with uh, in the second rounder. Now the be- the best pick, in my opinion, the Bears didn't have a third rounder because of the earlier trade, so the, uh, we had to sit through the third round without a pick. First pick in the uh, uh, fourth round, Eddie Jackson from Alabama, the safety. This was my favorite pick of the draft. I think Jackson's a good safety, but the Bears needed to address the the, the return situation, and, and Jackson is a very good punt returner, and I think that is probably going to be his best value right away, uh, assuming he's healthy. His biggest issue was the injury; he had uh, towards ACL last year. We're looking at probably a second-round pick here, if not for the torn ACL. So, obviously, health will be a, a major concern. He said he's ready to go, said he'll be uh, should, uh, to start the season, probably by training camp, ready to go. We'll see if he's out there in rookie minicamp next week. But he's not concerned about the injury. I'm a little concerned about it. You should be concerned about an ACL tear. But the film looks good for Jackson as well. And again, you bring that special teams value on top of it. And I like this pick. Yeah, I do too. And and I think it's it's important for people to remember 
that this is somebody who transitioned from corner to safety. So he's got good coverage skills. I mean, you watch him. And I think the biggest thing with him that we haven't really seen, and I, I hate to say because it it's so cliche, but it's true, we haven't seen this kind of safety since Mike Brown, at least, you know, project, you know projectable-wise. So he, he's a guy that when he gets a ball in his hands, regardless if he's if he's returning kicks or if he's making an interception, he he's electric. I mean, I'll definitely give him that. Now, I am right with you is, in terms of uh, his injury history. I mean, he had the, the 20 ACL. I think it was in the spring game in either, what, 2014 or 2015. And then he comes out last year and he breaks his breaks his leg and he had to get a rod inserted. So I I would hope that after all the issue, issues the Bears have had with injuries that to say, okay, you know, they hopefully vetted him well enough. But uh, at least with me, and this may be somewhat of a hot take, so if, if you know if this is, and I apologize, but I, I think at least off the skill set and what I would project him to be, I think he's probably going to be their, their day one starting safety or week one starting safety, more the point. I think he's got that much talent. Like you said, he's probably a second-round pick if he doesn't get injured. He's kind of in that mold of a, like a Malik Hooker, uh, Marcus Williams, may not probably not quite as good as coverage skills as Malik Hooker. Uh, he's got a little bit thinner of a lower body. Um, he's not a very good tackler overall. Um, I, I would definitely not trust him in the box, uh, but that's fine. I mean, they need they need somebody who can who can roam the field as a, as a you know that center fielding free safety and make plays on the ball. And I think he's going to be perfect for that. Uh, just got to keep him healthy. But yeah, this is a it's a very nice pick. Uh, and the the thing that I thought was interesting is Ryan Pace said that they they moved up because they saw a big talent gap. Uh, probably going to happen before they picked at 117 and what was interesting about that was that the bears moved up in front of the chargers they take eddie jackson then the chargers turn around and take ray sean jenkins who i had uh i want to say like a like a borderline fifth six round grade on so that seemed like kind of a reach so right there was almost kind of validation enough to say okay he made the right move he gave up a six round pick if you look at the last few uh few late round picks the bears have had really nothing to write home about so i have no issue with that trade whatsoever yeah, and I forgot to mention the trade in the second round, the Bears moving back and recouping some of those picks that they had to give up to the 49ers in the first round. The Bears were able to get a fourth rounder uh, from the Cardinals, from a fourth rounder this year at 119, a sixth rounder, and then also a fourth rounder next year from the Cardinals. So in essence, looking back at that first round trade, it really just cost the Bears a third rounder. So uh, you know that, uh, that's something to think about when, when you evaluate Trubisky here. But yeah, uh, talking about Jackson, a couple of points He's not a great tackler, and I think that's going to be probably maddening for a lot of Bears fans, but he's very good at, in center field, made a lot of plays on the ball, and you know he can cover sideline to sideline, and that's really what the Bears have needed for a long time. They've, they've cycled through strong safeties, and Adrian Amos still has a little bit of potential there. They got another one last year in Deion Bush. Uh, you know, we've seen the strong safeties come and go, but they they really haven't been able to find that guy who can really make plays on the deep ball, and I think that's what Jackson brings to the table. But you know, in terms of his risk, what as far as the injuries and the the, the broken leg and the rod in there, we we discussed Pace's uh, reluctance in in our pre-draft podcast, his reluctance to take a lot of risks with off-field concerns as well as injury concerns. And I felt that at that point in the draft, we're talking about the fourth round. That's when you start taking some of those risks. And I thought, 
you know, when, with a guy who's a second round talent who can bring bring you value as a center fielder, which has been a major issue as well as as a punt returner, I thought that was a good risk for him to take. And I think if Jackson is healthy and, and is able to come out and you know play throughout training camp in the preseason, I agree he's probably going to be the starter in center field at, at that free safety position in week one. So I, I'm really I'm excited about Jackson. Probably not as excited as you are about Tarek Cohen. Uh, the running back out of North Carolina, A&T, taken with the 119th overall pick just after the Bears took Jackson. Why don't you talk about him? Well, I'm sitting there watching the draft, and I see, obviously, they go Trubisky, and then all of a sudden they go Adam Shaheen, and Shaheen's kind of that that uh, Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham mold. And then, out of nowhere, they take Tariq Cohen, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go, dude. This is exactly what I was thinking was going to happen in terms of after they took Shaheen. And it looks like what Pace is trying to do here is it almost looks like he's trying to mold the offense that he had uh, in New Orleans. I mean, you get a guy like Tarek Cohen or Tariq Cohen. I keep wanting to call him Tarek, uh, <coughs> who's small. But, I mean, dude can play. Uh, he had, I think it was over 1,500 yards last year. Uh, he's definitely not going to be a full-time starter. So I think people just need to kind of keep that in mind. He's going to be a role player, and that's fine. He's got good special teams value, like we talked about in the pre-draft podcast. Uh, I think, you know, the fourth, fifth round makes sense for him. I think with, with a lot of the running backs, I know a lot of people are going to look at him and be like, well, you said he, you know, that you would take him the seventh. And I did, but it, it's worth keeping in mind that you have, especially with these second and third tier running backs, it's it's very subjective. It's almost kind of like safety. You're going to get guys that are going to go in places where sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it's a good fit for those teams, and that's their evaluations. I mean, especially when you're looking at a total of 25, 30 running backs on the board. I think that was right about what I had in terms of uh, of running backs that actually graded out with a, uh, like a draftable grade for me. So, you know, you get towards the end of that list, the middle of that list, and obviously there's going to be some there's going to be some differences there. But I love the pick. I mean, this is somebody who can come out of the backfield as a receiver. I'm sure everybody's seen the video of him doing a backflip and making a catch. That was cool. Uh, I'm not going to get too wrapped around the axle about that. But what I will say is that he has very good hands. Uh, and uh, he's 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 quick. I mean, he just he does some crazy stuff. I mean, his his nickname on YouTube is a human joystick. I mean, just go watch that video, and it's it's very impressive. Granted, he is playing. I think he's a Division One A two or something weird like that. I can't really keep track of how that all works or Division One B. Uh, so he wasn't a Division two guy, but he comes from a very small school. But the dude can play. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He's fast, and that, I, I think that's something that the Bears are really kind of. Uh, really put a focus on this this offseason you look at with uh, Kendall Wright who's more quick than he is fast out of the slot but then you have a guy like Mark Marcus Wheaton who is fast and then you bring in a guy like uh, Tariq Cohen and you're adding a lot of speed and even with Eddie Jackson you're adding a lot of speed to the return game you're giving yourself multiple different options and I I mean this this pick I know a lot of people are kind of like what what is going on why would you take a five six running back that's not going to be a full-time player but I'm telling you if he can be used like a Darren Sproles, everybody, the last time Darren Sproles was a free agent, everybody wanted him. Everybody, every Bears fan I talked to is like, oh, we need we need to get Darren, Darren Sproles. If this ends up being Darren Sproles, everybody's going to love this guy, even if he is a guy that only gets 10, 15, 20 snaps a game. Yeah, and that's all that Darren Sproles really got. He was never the number one guy in any of the teams that he played for, and I think he still had a huge impact for those teams. And I think that's when you, I mean, the Bears already have one of the best running backs in the NFL in Jordan Howard. And now you bring in this electrifying little guy who it brings an entirely different skill set. Uh, and it, like you said, his his highlight reels are just outstanding. Uh, again, you have to wonder how that's going to translate. A lot faster in the NFL, a lot bigger guys. But 
This kid knows how to make defenders miss in the open field. He's very good as a, as a, a receiver, so he's going to give you that third down uh, ability as well. And I really think that he can, you know, you give him a crease, you let him make a couple of guys miss, and he's going to be drawn. And I, Bears don't really have that home run threat. I, I used to think that Jeremy Langford was that guy, but Langford can't break a tackle and make a guy miss. So, I, you know, that's where Cohen comes in. And, I, I re, you know, we'll talk about this in later podcasts, but you have to wonder how safe a lot of people think Kadeem Carey's job is going to be uh, is on the line, but I, I have to wonder if it's Jeremy Langford. But we'll talk about that later. A couple of comparisons that that I have heard uh, regarding Cohen: one, Darren Sproles, and I agree with that. I think he's much more of a, type, a Darren Sproles type, run a four point four two, so he does have that breakaway speed. And the other comparison is Jarrett Wolf, and I don't see it. And even if it it ends up being like Garrett Wolf. Remember, Garrett Wolf had a, had a fairly decent career with the Bears, and he made a, made his name as a, as a special teams player. And I think that that's a little bit of value that that uh, uh, Cohen brings as well. So I, I think again, we're talking about a fourth round pick here. So I think if you can get a, a part time player who can give you ten touches on on offense, but really, you know, uh, that change of pace, lightning to the thunder, I, I, I I'm all for it. And I know that you were high on him, and that got me thinking about him heading into the draft. And I, I think that he's, you know, you're, you're right. Pace was, you know, he's looking to rebuild this offense, and uh, you know, he feels good about the offensive line. And now he's now he's giving his, his new quarterback a few more weapons. So uh, I, I'm I'm all for it. And I think the offense is going to be much more exciting this year. Uh, just having Cohen on it. Also, the Bears added to the offensive line as well uh, with the fifth-round pick. Jordan Morgan out of Cutstown, uh, Pennsylvania. Ever heard of Cutstown before? I have not. Uh, that was a new one when I was going through the draft, uh, some of the, the guards. That's, uh, <laughs> that was another small school guy I didn't really have uh, much of an idea on. Well, now, uh, and that, it's interesting because you say guard. He played left tackle at Cutstown his entire career there. Which at least gives you an idea that maybe he has, you know, he's shown the ability to play that position. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it in the NFL. I do think he's probably more likely to slide inside, but he does have some wicked long arms, 34 and 34 and 5 8 inches arms. And, you know, he's only 6'3", but those are, the, those are the arms of an offensive tackle. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where the Bears end up playing him. I know Pace said he likes him at guard, but... Uh, you have to wonder if that type of flexibility is going to be coming come in handy for the Bears because they they already have good depth along the interior of the offensive line. I mean, if if Ronis Strasu is uh, turns out to be as as good as he was, you know, because he was looking good before he got injured last year. So if he you know comes back and looks looks as good as he did last year, then you know where where does Morgan fit in here? I'm not I'm not exactly sure. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Uh, during the training camp and the offseason and uh, whether or not he can provide that depth. But I, I like the fact that they address the offensive line, at least. Yeah, I, I do, too. I the I, I don't know when I was looking the other day. I don't I don't know of any 6-3 offensive tackles in the starting, you know, that starter playing the NFL. So I think ultimately, yeah, he's probably going to end up being a guard. I don't mind the move, but I do think this says something, at least in my opinion, about Hieronymus Grasso. I mean, they've already named him in the center only, so that's something we could talk about at a different time. But uh, the Bears have obviously put a value on their interior linemen, and I have no issue with that. I mean, look at Mr. Trubisky. I mean, the, the the issues that he had was when he had pressure coming from you know in his face from. Uh, from the a gap, you know, from the interior linemen. So I think that's, uh, I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with the pick, and it. I mean, there was a few names I could have, I could, you know, could throw out there that I would have rather had. But I mean, this is this is one of those guys. A lot of people were higher on him, and he was uh, at the Senior Bowl, and the Bears did coach him. So that should kind of give you an insight as to why they took him and why this may make some sense. Agreed. 
you know, overall, I I think when looking at this draft, I'm excited about how the offense is going to look going forward. I, I haven't been able to say that in a while. Um, I, 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 I like Trubisky. I like Cohen. And if Shaheen is anywhere near as, as good as he looks on film, then he's going to go down as a steal. And like you said, a lot of guys already like him. I had him as a solid second-round grade going in. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do at Rookie Minicamp. That will start next Friday, go through the weekend. I'll be there all three days. We'll come back after that. We'll have a podcast, and I'll tell you exactly what I saw. But I, I have a feeling that most of, most of those guys are going to look good in Rookie Minicamp. We'll see how they develop here uh, through the uh, off-season programs going into training camp, and uh, we'll see how that offense looks. But the defense is really going to be reliant on that free agent class that they brought in. Uh, other than Eddie Jackson, uh, that, that's where the Bears stand. So uh, hopefully that that's enough for Vic Fangio to uh, you know cobble together a, a decent unit. He's able to do it last year. I have faith he'll be able to do it again. But one uh, defender that they would have liked to have had to add to the uh, to the mix. I'm sure Fangio was was pushing for him. Was Jay Howard was at Hallis Hall today, left without a contract. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, this one doesn't make any sense to me. They've got uh, right around I think it's 23 million dollars in cap space. They have a need at five tech, uh, and this is somebody who passed the physical. He came to Chicago and passed the physical, so they have an offer on the, on the table. According, I think it was Adam Schefter, uh, but he left and he wanted to go visit other teams. So. My thought process behind this is one, pay the man, and actually, you know, you've had a pretty subpar free agency so far, Ryan. I think it would be a good idea if you actually, you know, put put some money into the defense. I think it could help you out a little bit. That's just my take. But overall, uh, I, I, my mindset on this is going to be simple. I mean, if it, right now I think there's still a decent chance that he could sign with the Bears just because we saw that happen with Josh Gordon and a few other free agents, uh, the second wave. Uh, but I think if he goes to another team and visits, uh, I think that's basically uh, going to be game over. I don't know what his, his asking price is, but I mean, he signed a two-year, ten million dollar deal. Uh, you know, last free agent, I I wouldn't have any issue giving something like that to him. He was injured all but five games, but when the dude's healthy, he's good. And uh, it was between him and Hicks last year, so. I mean, if they could get both those guys in the same defensive line together, I think that would be uh, pretty good. And I, I think that could really help the Bears out, especially after they really didn't do much in uh, the draft with yeah. their defense. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the Pace has made a hard-line stance with the you know the value that he puts on these guys. And we talked about it. You know, he puts a cap on him, and he's not willing to go over it. And in some cases, I understand. In other cases, like this one, I don't really understand. Again, we don't know what the details were, but you you would have liked to have seen him try and push and do what it would have been necessary to get a guy of Jay Howard's uh, talent in here. But uh, we'll see. He may, you know, maybe by the next podcast, we'll be talking about Jay Howard as a new Chicago Bear uh, has not signed yet. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. That's it for us, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the draft. I hope you enjoyed the podcast before and after the draft. We'll be coming back. Uh, I'll be at all the rookie mini camps. I'll be at all the OTAs, and then we'll be heading into a mandatory mini camp. I'll be there for all that. So I'll be up close, uh, giving you guys feedback on what I see. So that's it for this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Come talk to us uh, at the Bear Report. Dot com message boards and see all our content on the bearreport.com Facebook page. That's it, guys. Hope you liked it. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.